When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, thanks for hopping on the latest edition of Gun on One. Well, the 2021 NFL season has come and gone uh, from 32 down to 14. And yes, the Philadelphia Eagles are one of the chosen few to compete in the second season. And to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, because uh, this is the man who's uh, traveled that journey of uh, playing in the playoffs for the first time and knowing what it's like mentally and physically to get ready for what's to come. Uh, he has been a guest on Gun Up One on uh, several occasions, and uh, he told me I can call on him again, so I did. My man Brian Westbrook, one of the greatest Eagles running backs of all time. How you doing, my brother? I'm doing good, brother. I'm, I'm excited, just like everyone else in Philly and across our country that are Eagles fans, that the Eagles made the playoffs this year. I didn't see it coming like many people, but they made the playoffs. They did the thing the right way. Things weren't working early on the season. They changed it. They figured out how to win, how they needed to win for the 2021-22 team. And they figured it out and made the playoffs. So I'm super excited for this weekend. Would you have, if you were coaching, would you have set the starters for that last game? That's been a debate that's gone on before the game and even after the game. You look at a team like Green Bay. They already wrapped up the number one seed, yet Aaron Rodgers and the starters played uh, through almost the first half of that mm -hmm. game against Detroit. Would, yep. would you have rested the starters? How would you have approached that? Well, you know, I would just go back and look at how we handled things in preseason. And, and early on in the preseason, um, Nick Sirianni said, okay, it's important. Even though it was only three preseason games, Jalen Hurst didn't play very much. You know, they didn't play in that last preseason game. So this team has had the history of doing that, even though it's a short history with Nick Sirianni saying, okay, I would rather my guys be rested than healthy rather than getting more reps. And that's just the way that he coaches. So for me, I probably would have played my guys a little bit just to keep the rhythm. But here's the hard part. You want to try to keep the rhythm. What happens if you don't get the rhythm? What happens if you're in a situation when the first quarter you have two possessions and you go three and out twice? Now do you put your, your starters back out there? Or, or, or do you just keep, you say, okay, we, we, you know, you played the two series, now we're going to take you out. Now you go into the playoffs without the rhythm, with that bad taste in your mouth. And so I, I think for me, it's more important to have your guys healthy, to have your guys rested. And I, I just, I know for a fact, I remember my legs and how they felt at the end of a 16-game season. Now you add that extra week, and now you're trying to get ready for the playoffs. Having that week off makes a huge difference in your ability just to go out there and play fresh. Give me your general assessment 
Before we dig a little bit deeper on what you saw from this Eagles team in 2021 from start to finish. Well, I think we saw early on a, a young coach trying to figure out his way in the NFL, trying to figure out if the things that he thought over time, and he's been coaching for however long, 15, 20 years, and he's thought that, you know what, when I get my opportunity, I want to do things this way. And that doesn't necessarily that mean that's going to match your, your, your roster. That doesn't mean it's going to match everything that you have going on. And maybe it just doesn't work. Maybe it's just your thoughts and it just doesn't work. And I think over the course of the season, Nick Sirianni said, okay, well, what I wanted to do did not work. It doesn't match our roster. Didn't work in the NFL right now. And now we're going to have to change things. They began running the ball a lot more. They were more effective and they beat the, the bad teams in the NFL. They were more effective that way. And quite honestly, their defense played better uh, when you play that way as well. We also saw the maturation of Jalen Hurts. Probably the biggest highlight of the season was to be able to see Jalen Hurts get a little bit better every single week. He never really wowed us uh, from week to week, but he got a little bit better every single week when you look at the small things, when you look at his ability to find rhythm in the pocket, his ability to slide away and have pocket presence, his ability to throw, make some throws later on in the season that he wasn't willing to make early in the season. And even through the injury, even through the ankle situation, he said, okay, you know what? I was using my legs so much early on and not as much my arm. Now I'm going to use my arm and my mind a little bit more and be, allow my leadership to kind of lead this team, not my my athletic ability. And he played a really good game and played well throwing the football down the line. So to me, we saw some improvement along the line. We also continue to see, and I kind of go through the line, our offensive line is going to always be one of the best in the league as long as you have 62 in the middle. He just makes things work. Jordan Maialata played well. You got a surprise with Landon Dickerson. Um, obviously, Lane came back healthy and ready to play. I mean, when you have that up front and a quarterback that's willing to move around and a coach that is variable and saying, I'm not stuck and, and only going to go one way, I think you have a team um, that that looks a lot better in a defense that was kind of steady all season and gotten better towards the end. You got a team that's going to win nine games. That's impressive, um, especially being the first year of Nick Sirianni. When you look at Jalen Hurts and you take into consideration what he had to go through just to get to this point, going back to all the rumors about bringing in another quarterback, um, you know, people were not sold on Jalen Hurts early in the season. And you know he had to hear the noise, mm -hmm. the outside noise. When I say the outside noise, I'm talking about the fan base, the media, so on and so forth. But he never buckled. When things were not going well for him, he never buckled. For a guy to be that young, how impressed were you with the poise that he maintained from start to finish? That's a lot to ask of a 23-year-old. Yeah. You know, I wasn't not only impressed. You know, you know, coming into this whole situation with Jalen Hurts, my expectations of him, of a leader, were super high. I mean, they just were high because I thought he went through a lot of stuff in college being, you know, kind of getting tossed out of the national championship game and transferring and then playing at a high level. His ability to be resilient to me was all at, at an all-time high in college. He brought that into a to a locker room that needed him. That went from a, a franchise quarterback to a second-round draft pick and trying to figure out what the heck was going to happen. And he did a really good job of being that stable force, never too high, never too low. There were some bad things that happened. He didn't go too low. There were some great things that that happened to him. He never got too high. He was steady. And to me, that's the type of quarterback that you need. So I was very impressed. And my expectations were high because I, I believe that he had that, that type of capability. 
Um, but I was impressed with what he was able to handle, how he was able to handle the media. I mean, it takes time. It takes training to be able to handle the media, especially in Philadelphia. He did a very good job. And the most important thing, more important than the media, more important than anything else, he handled the team the right way. The team believes in him. And when you have, a, you know, 53 guys believing in your quarterback, 52 guys believing in your quarterback, there's something to be said about that. And he handled that the right way. So more so than anything, you, you know, everybody wants talent. Everybody wants a big arm. Everybody wants 6'4 that can run, do all those different things that, that we've seen guys do. I want a guy that can lead us. I want a guy that can play big in big situations, a guy that the, the, the other people on the team will follow. And that seems like what we have in Jalen Hurts. He continues to get better. He's still not perfect, but he continues to get better and doesn't make excuse for his misses, his errors, things like that. That's the type of quarterback that I can live with. That's the type of quarterback that I can win and lose with. So I appreciate what he's been able to do all season long. Now, based on what you just said, and we all agreed that he was on a game-to-game audition throughout the course of this season. But as we sit here today, are you comfortable moving forward? Is your mind at ease that you're okay with Jalen Hurts being your quarterback again in 2022? I am. I really am. And I think it's a combination of a couple of things. Number one, um, he brought his team to a playoffs. And listen, he beat all the bad teams. Just imagine all the teams, even teams that I played on, that we go to Jacksonville and lose a game. We go to Tennessee and lose a game. Games that we weren't supposed to lose. He was able to get his team to focus enough to beat all the teams that he was supposed to beat for the most part. Now, can he get better? Absolutely. This is a good thing about Jalen Hurst, and this is why I think he should be the quarterback for next year. He's like, found a way to make it to the playoffs this year. That's important. But he also got better, like, like I mentioned. But he has so much room for growth, and he never is satisfied. It's not like he came up here and said, you know what? I didn't make any mistakes. I mean, you know, everyone around me has to play better except for me. He didn't say that. He said, I got to play better. I have to do better. I have to do the things that help this team and put the right guys in the right position. To me, he understands what's going on. He's not oblivious to where he's at in his game, where he's at in his development. And to because of that, I think he can be a guy that you can build around, certainly can be a face of a franchise you can believe in. He's always going to do the right thing. And you also had those three first-round draft picks. Now, how can you make that defense better? How can you make the options that he has on offense better, maybe in the wide receiver position? If you're able to do that, now you're looking at someone – that as a quarterback continues to get better and the team around him gets better, now you're fighting for the the NFC East championship um, with Dallas. And I think that's something that we will all love to have here in Philadelphia. When you look at an offense in general and a quarterback specifically, they are only as good as those five guys in the trenches. And you look at what this offensive line went through this season. They really never had Brandon Brooks, Pro Bowl right guard. They had the mix and match. Lane Johnson was gone several games. He had to deal with personal issues. They started Landon Dickerson on the right side, moved him over to the left side in guard position where he was comfortable. You lost Sayamalu along the way. Um, you had all these different guys. You had Driscoll at one point. You got Herbert over here. Um, and when you look at teams that they played, and here's the point I'm getting at. When you look at teams that they played, especially in the latter half of the season, you look at how many offensive linemen, those offensive lines lost, and it showed in the in their ability to protect and pass coverage and block and run coverage. But yet, this Eagles offensive line never missed a beat starting from that Detroit game. And Jeff Stoutland, I don't know what kind of elixir that he, he feeds these guys, but I, I can't sing the praises enough of Jeff Stoutland and his ability to coach up these young guys and get them ready 
at a moment's notice. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't seen Coach Stout in a long time. All I've heard is really good things about him. I, I was around for Juan Castillo for a long time. You know, you know Juan very well. And what he did was the starters, they're gonna work their butt off every day in practice. But after practice, every last one of the reserve guys, all the guys that weren't in that starting five, they worked, they had a whole different practice after practice and before practice, right? And so I can only imagine that Jeff Stoutland has those reserve guys working the butt off every single day, getting better just in case they have to play. He understands the NFL guys get hurt all the time. And when those younger guys, those reserve guys had to go in there and play, the Eagles didn't miss a beat. When I, when I, when I say they, when, when I go back and watch the film, the first thing I always look at is how we do in the trenches. And, and you can almost, without looking at the success of the play, you can understand how well the game went based on whether you were winning and losing in the trenches. Were, were you getting to the quarterback? Well, I guarantee if you were, you were pressuring that quarterback off the spot and that quarterback looks harassed, I guarantee uh, defensively you had a pretty decent day. If offensively you have time for your quarterback, if Jalen Hurts is back there looking option one, looking option two, looking option three, and then maybe running, if you have that, if you also have a, a, a running team that can get you 175 yards a game because of the offensive line, if you have those things, I guarantee you're going to win a lot of football games. And, and because of because of the offensive line, we have done a great job of, of controlling the football, of running the football. And Jeff Stoutland certainly deserves a lot of credit because he had a mix and match. It's, it's not easy as you lining up five guys and you go play for 17 games straight. He had to mix and match. And that continuity, even with new guys, was was evident. And it, it certainly was, it was a good thing for the Eagles throughout the season because they they made it work. And that's what football is all about, trying to find 11 guys on offense and defense every single week, even if it's not the same 11 guys that has cohesion, some rhythm, and can work together. They found a way to do it, especially with that offensive line this year, even though they had a lot of reserve guys playing. Devonta Smith. Uh, he breaks Deshaun Jackson's uh, rookie record for receiving yards. This young man is special, man. Uh, this is this. I mean, what stands out most to you about the way he approaches his business? Well, he's smooth. You know, when, when you watch him run, he never looks like he's going fast, but he's flying down the field. He's smooth. He also, you know, here, here's the truth. Devontae Smith came out as the best player in college last year. We understood what we were getting. But he had some work to do early in the season. I didn't think his routes were great. I didn't think he was tough enough early in the season going up, attacking the football. But what we've seen is his routes have gotten better. He's gotten better against one-on-one -on -one coverage. He, I mean, he's getting more space from the defenders. That's important, for, especially for a quarterback. He also has gotten tougher. Those one-on-one -on -one opportunities where now I have to go up and grab a football with a defender draped on me, he's gotten better at those situations. And so we've seen some improvement from the best player in college last year. And now when you talk about that improvement, now as a quarterback, you're saying, you know what? If six over there and he has one-on-one -on -one coverage, I can trust my arm to just throw the ball up and allow him to go work for me. And to me, that's a difference in your offense. Now you say, okay, I, I need to make a play with my legs because I don't trust anyone else around me. You go from that to a point where you're saying, okay, six is over there. I'm just going to throw him the football and allow him to go to work. He's talented enough to go to work and I'll make that work out there. So Devontae Smith has gotten better um, through the course of the season. Again, when I'm seeing these young guys getting better, it, it, it's kind of scary because 
Nick Sirianni said something in the middle of the season, probably early on the season, about watering plants and <laughs> yeah. and, and, yeah. and everybody laughed just like you did. And I laughed yep. too. And, and, and as a veteran thinker, I'm like, man, the vets don't want to hear that. But when you have young guys that are breathing that, believing in it, and then you get some vets to buy in every now and then, and then you start seeing the results, it starts yep. to make sense. They were planting the roots and we're seeing these guys, you know, kind of paying off a little bit right now. To me, Devontae, Devontae Smith was one of those guys that paid off um, as those roots were planted because that work that he put in, um, he, small stuff, getting his toes in, getting his feet in bounds, catching the ball with his hands. I mean, the small stuff that he does very well, he continues to get better at. I, I think he's a technician in some of the things that he does on the football field. And, and to me, if he keeps that same spirit, if he keeps that same work ethic, the sky's the limit for that young man. Does it concern you that other than Dallas Goddard, they in the passing game, they really haven't developed a whole array of pass catchers? Like one game you see Quez Watkins, you might see a Greg Ward, mm-hmm. you know, but they haven't developed that that complement to a Devontae Smith yet that we can count on and look for on a consistent basis. Well, I, I don't know that it bothers me. I think that's something that they're going to be working on, something that, that's going to be important to this football team. That They're going to have to develop a complement. They're going to have to develop someone else um, besides, you know, Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith. And I think it would be time. Quez Watkins is a good option. But at this point, he hasn't shown to be more than what he is, a deep threat. He has to be more than that. And I think he has to develop into that. But again, what we're seeing is a team that's developing. We're seeing the team that's getting better. And I think as we put better pieces around Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard and Jalen Hurts, then we'll be talking about, um, you know, may, maybe we have a situation where we do have that other option. Maybe we have a situation where, you know, we don't have to throw the ball to Dallas Goddard 10 times and Devontae Smith 10 times. We can throw the ball to Jimmy Jones 10 times or whoever the next guy is, whoever the next person is. We can do that. And to me, that that's going to be important. But that's probably the next progression for this offense. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens next because that opens things up. Just imagine, just imagine this. You got to cover a back out of the backfield. You got to cover Devontae Smith. You got to cover Dallas Goddard. You got to cover whoever that other guy is. Oh, and by the way, if, if you perhaps have the opportunity to cover all those guys, you got to find a way to stop your quarterback from running. That's true. That's a problem for a defense. That's something that I'm looking forward to, something that I think you can develop over the next few years here in Philadelphia. Nick Sirianni spoke to the media on Monday, and one of the things he said was he's hoping to have a full complement of running backs to go up against Tampa Bay. That means that Miles Sanders, who's who's got that broken bone in his hand, uh, could be up and running come Sunday against the Bucks. You played through a number of injuries um, in your nine-year career. Now, refresh my memory. I don't remember if you played with a broken bone in your hand, but what what's that like for a running back to have to worry about that mental? I mean, you try to put it out of your mind, but it's there. Yeah. And so you you can't just totally put something like that out of your mind. How effective can he be? And what do you do to protect that thing? You, you know, my rookie year, I, I played, I don't know, 90% of the season with a broken wrist. Now, it's totally different. So I was still able to hold the ball and, you know, catch the ball, things like that. I had no issues there. So it's totally different from what Miles Sanders is going to do. And Listen, for a guy that has had, you know, a little bit of a fumbling issue throughout his career, this is going to be, this is a critical game to be coming back 
from that type of injury. Now, let's let's talk about something from my Miles Sanders. Super talented, um, a game breaker when he gets the opportunities. I think he, he just like anyone else, when he's not getting the opportunities, he loses focus. And that's everybody. That's just not Miles Sanders. That's everybody. He loses focus. So you have to keep him engaged in the game. That's the screen game. That's him giving some handoffs early on, keeping that defense honest. Now, when you talk about that hand, you know, I've never had that experience of playing with a broken hand. I can't imagine a running back who has going to have to catch the ball and hold on to the ball because, you know, the defenses are attacking the ball at this point to strip it away. I can't imagine him being able to play. Not to say that he can't. It's just hard for me to think that he's going to have the ability to hold on to the football through that. Now, I remember back in the day, when Emmett played with the separated shoulders, he carried the ball, I'm going to say, in his right hand the entire game, never put it in his left hand at all, just carried it in his right hand every single time. And that may be something that Miles Sanders uh, tries to do where he's not putting as much pressure on his whatever hand is broken because, you know, with, with Tars carrying the football. So he may try to do that. But I, I do believe that having him on the field is a big help. Um, he's super talented. I, I'm excited to see what he's able to do. Hopefully he can go with that hand and it's healed up enough for him to hold on to the football. Hey, are you telling me also that there were times in your career that you weren't 100% focused out on the football field because you weren't as involved as a game plan? Is, is, is that a natural? Is that natural? Uh, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> There are times in games where, you know, and so this is a good thing. This is, this is how you tell the good players from the great players, right? I was good. The great players had the ability to be Tom Brady, focused, dialed in for 60 minutes straight, not ever getting outside of that box, right? Now, for me, I'm, I'm a, you know, 50, 52-minute type of guy. There are times <laughs> in the game where, you know, I'm like, okay, I wonder who's in the stands. I mean, it's just, you, you, and it's natural. And you, you talk about some of the guys that aren't as good, they're less than that. So, um, you know, you try to stay focused as much as you can. But, you know, listen, you go all week long, and your goal is to make plays. Your goal is to help your team out and go out there and play. And then you're not involved in the game plan. Sometimes that doesn't sit very well with your spirit. And so you lose focus until you're, you know, you're smacked in the face and you get your focus back. I, I just hope that um, this entire team, not just Miles, but the entire team can stay focused. But I, I'll tell you this. When Miles Sanders is focused, when Miles yep. Sanders has a ball in his hand and is in, 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 his in, in rhythm, he, he's just as good as almost any back in the NFL when he has that opportunity. Who's a better back, Brian Westbrook or Miles Sanders? Uh-oh, here we go. I, I had so much more experience than Miles. We, we, it's, it's, it's way too too easy to <laughs> pick someone that had a nine-year career as, instead of someone that had a, a three-year career so far. Miles Sanders is a good player. Um, it, 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 it wouldn't be fair to him uh, to be able to, to make that type of judgment at this point in his career. I am impressed. You gave the perfect Politically correct answer. I'm impressed with you, B. Well, just imagine this: if someone came to you and said, "Who's better in my third year, Deuce Daly or Brian Westbrook?" In my mind, I would hope you would say Deuce because he had a really good career. Now, if right. you say, "Okay, after nine years, when you guys both played together," I, I don't know. People will say whatever they want, but I mean, I, I think as media members, I do it myself. I'm always comparing. All right, well, this guy versus this guy, that guy, and it's hard on these players because. These players are like, they're hearing it too. And they're like, well, I haven't even, Miles Sanders hasn't hit his stride yet. He hasn't hit his okay. time yet. And 
and hopefully it's here in Philadelphia, but he's going to find a place that's going to give him the ball 20, 25 times a game, and then we're going to be able to see who the real Miles Sanders is. The other thing that Miles Sanders is going to need to do is that at some point someone's going to give him 20, 25 carries. He's going to have to put that that hard outer shell on his body to keep him healthy. It's so hard in this league right now to play 16, 17 games. He has to find a way to get that number from, I don't know, however many games he played this way this year, 12 up to 14 to 15. So maybe he's only missing a couple of games a year. If he does that, then his production will skyrocket right there alone. He just has to find a way to stay healthy. And that's just a matter of time for me, uh, for him, I think, in my mind. When I look at Jonathan Gannon's defense, and I say through 16 games because you can't count that last game because that last game was a mess. But I say through 16 games. You know what? You see you see the game a little bit differently than I would than I do because you you were there. You live it. You were behind closed doors going through the meetings. But I don't know what Jonathan Gannon's identity is as a defense yet. I do know that it's a defensive front that doesn't get enough pressure on quarterbacks. Now, they racked up some impressive stats against lesser quarterbacks, the Garrett Gilberts and, the, you know, Taylor Heineke's and, and Daniel Jump, people like that. But I don't know what the identity is of his defense. Do you? And I'm talking about now, it's one and done. And you're playing the GOAT yeah. this coming Sunday. The GOAT, whose offense may be nicked up a bit because of injuries, but the GOAT is still on the other side of the football. See, I, I don't know. I'm uh, going to challenge you a little bit on that. Okay. All right. Exactly. With the identity of Jonathan Gannon's defense, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? What do you, what do you mean? Because it's changed. I mean, he played a soft defense at some points. Then another game they might play. Come, you know, corners come down and play press. Uh, I think what, they don't blitz do enough. The what does he do the most of? Play soft. Then that's the identity. That's the, you know exactly what the identity. So this is this is my opinion about the identity of his defense, and I agree with everything you're saying. He has to be more aggressive. That's what I want. That's what you want. That's what everybody in Philadelphia wants. Be more aggressive. Go blitz. Everybody wants Jim Johnson. We ain't getting that. Jim Johnson's not coming back. Right? <laughs> oh, and, and the reason I say that is because Jonathan Gannon's defense is only about one thing, preventing the big play. If you're going to score me, and I have to believe this is his thought process, if you're going to score me, you want to score me, but I'm going to make you work for it. I'm going to make you get 10-yard, 10-yard, 3-yard, 4-yard. I'm not going to give you that 30-yard that bomb. I'm not going to do that. And if you just think about this, if you have an offense that's going to run the ball, be methodical and score, and this is the key part, and score touchdowns, and you have a defense that's going to make an offense be patient and work, and then eventually maybe the third, fourth quarter, you wear somebody down and your, your defensive line starts to get there, that can actually work. Now, it's not my style of defense. I don't like it. I want, right. them, to be, I want them to pressure. I want them to bring, send, send an extra guy. Because I think the good quarterbacks, like Tom Brady did the first game, can sit back there with you, and if you're not pressuring them, pick you apart. But that's his style. That's who that's who he is as a defensive coordinator. Maybe he doesn't have the belief in the guys uh, on the defensive side the way that I think he should. But his identity is, I'm going to play soft. I'm not going to give up the big play. And if I do that, then I can make you work. In my mind, Jonathan Gannon says, you know what? I play soft. I didn't give up the big play. And I only gave up 27 points. If I would have played aggressive and forced the quarterback, you know, blitzed and gave up one-on-one -on -one opportunities, I probably would have gave up 42 points. That's what I believe Jonathan Gannon actually believes. That I only gave up 27. I would have gave up a lot more if I would have played the way that me and you and the people in Philadelphia wanted to play. 
but that's just not his style. That's not something that he's going to do. So to me, his identity is not going to change. He's not going to pressure Tom Brady. He's not going to put him in a situation where Tom is going to have those one-on-one options on the outside. He's going to put him in a situation where you're going to have to, you're going to have to beat us um, with your arm. We're going to allow our defensive line to hunt to try to get you off that spot. And if we do that, if we can find a way to get you off that spot, then you're going to have a hard day. If, we, if our defensive line doesn't have a great day getting you off that spot, then there's a chance Tom Brady goes for, you know, 300 yards, four touchdowns, and, you know, it looks the defense looks crazy again. See, here's what I just picked up in that dissertation you just gave. And I've been thinking about this ever since we found out they're going to play Tampa Bay. There is nobody better in the game today at picking your defense apart than Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And Tom Brady drives defenses nuts picking you apart underneath. Yep. If you don't get in Tom Brady's face – Man, this is going to be a long day as an Eagles fan. You're going to be sitting back there watching Tom Brady walk up and down the field and identify where your weak spots are because he will identify it. If he already has it by now, he will identify where the weak spot is. So you got one thing we know about Tom Brady. Tom Brady is not going to scramble unless he absolutely has to. He's not a Jalen Hurts. He's not one of those quarterbacks. You got to get in Tom Brady's face, man, because if you don't get some pressure on him, and I don't mean just pushing a pocket back with Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave, you got to get that man on the ground. You got to hit him a few times. It could be a long afternoon, man. Well, this is this is what I do know. I do know that if you get in Tom Brady's face, if you make it a long afternoon, Tom Brady will throw you one. I do know that, right? And so that's kind of the reason why you want to pressure him, right? But I, I went back and watched the first half of that game, um, week six game this this morning, and what I saw was a quarterback that was on rhythm, talking about Tom Brady, that was on rhythm, that said, I'm going to take three steps, the ball is out. Whether it's a five-yard pattern or, you know, a five-step pattern for the wide receiver, three steps, ball is out every single time. He was disciplined in that. And so because of that, I mean, even if you bring pressure, if he has that type of rhythm, then he's going to beat you. Tom Brady has been in the game long enough to understand the defensive front, where the pressure is going to come from, and where I need to throw, throw the ball to. He understands all of that. So, so maybe, maybe this is this is me just thinking. I've been thinking about this <laughs> game so much. Maybe a defense that's going to say, okay, we'll throw the ball in front of us. We're going to still, you're going to take three steps. So why would we pressure you, right? You're going to get the ball out quickly. So why would we pressure you? We would have one less guy or two less guys that can make a play. Maybe the idea is, okay, keep everybody in front of us. They don't have Antonio Brown. He was a, he was a, he was a high receiver last time. Now, you know, we're going to, we're going to put Slay on Jackson and see what he can do. We got to find an answer to, to Gronk. The, the kid Grayson, he, he probably is not going to be there. Uh, you know, so Godwin's not going to be there. So who are going to be these answers? Uh, uh, Mike Cole Evans. Coming off, he's coming off of, of injury. So yeah. who's going to be these answers? Maybe we we make him a, make Tom Brady go, you know, slowly down the field, methodically down the field to score. If he can do it, that's a big time question. Uh, and then and if I'm the defensive coordinator, that's what I'm hoping. Let's make him work to get down the field. Let's not give up any big plays. And if he's if he's skilled enough, which he is uh, to, to make that happen. Then, then, you know, then they win the football game. But if we can make some plays on the defensive side, like we've made in the past couple of weeks when our starters are playing, interceptions, big plays here and there, then that changes the course of the football game. It really, really does. If you could have handpicked a first-round opponent for the Eagles, who would it have been? And I'll tell you who I, I, I would like to have seen him play and why. Well, I, I'll tell you who it was. And I, I, my first pick would have been, was, was actually Tampa Bay. 
But okay. I, I definitely didn't want to play Green Bay. I don't want to see that guy because that guy, Aaron Rodgers, yeah. he can he can ruin. He's out of his mind right now. Um, yeah, I think the Rams are a bad matchup for for the Eagles because they got some talent on the outside. They got more than one talented guy on the outside, and the quarterback wants to just throw it. And I think defensively, they can get after the, the Eagles a little bit uh, with the, with their personnel. Um, who, who are the other choices? Green Bay, we didn't want Arizona, them. Dallas, uh, Rams. Well, Arizona, I guess probably. Would, I, I think Arizona might have been a you know an, an option. I, I didn't really take a serious look at them. I think that could have been an option. But this, I'll tell you why my first choice was was the Bucks. I think that. When Tom Brady has had issues, it's been because of the pressure of the defensive line. And I'm not saying that they're going to be able to do it because the Bucs have a very good defense, offensive line, probably one of the best in the league. But if we were if we were to win a game, if we were to win more than one game, our defensive line has to play out of their minds in the playoffs. That's mm-hmm. what they did when we went to the Super Bowl. They had to play out of their minds. So I know one quarterback, and this is, this is the part that probably scared me from Kyler Murray. If our defensive line played great against Arizona – but our linebackers were terrible or our safety that couldn't come up and make a tackle against Tyler Mary, Kyler Murray, then, then that's a whole different type of game, right? Right. I know this. If our defensive line, if Fletcher Cox, Hargrave, uh, 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 if Josh Sweat, uh, Barnett, if they can have a game, then that changes the course of the game. That may be a tip interception in our favor. And that may be the game-winning drive. So I, I think, especially with some of the injuries that they have, um, especially with understanding exactly who Tom Brady is, even though he's great. I, I thought they had a better matchup against a Tampa Bay, especially the defensive side of the ball, that we can run against that defense. We can run the football if we decide to say, hey, we're going to run. We're going to use the same philosophy that we had the second half of the season. I think that's a defense that we can have success running the football against. And um, and just imagine if Todd Bowles wants to blitz and we have a chance to block it up, and everybody on defense is running, you know, backwards with their head, uh, you know, they're back to the quarterback. That means Jalen Hurst can run. And, you know, to me, that's a big play waiting to happen. I would be excited about that as well. See, I think this is one of the few times you and I will agree on anything. Um, because I said on a number of platforms uh, leading up to today, I said I wanted to see them play Tampa Bay in the first round. And people are like, Degon, you crazy. Yeah. And I said, look. I'm not dumb enough to ever bet against Tom Brady in any situation because we've seen Tom Brady take average players and make them look like pro bowlers. I said, but you could be catching Tampa Bay at the right time. When you look at the defense, Shaq Barrett has a knee injury. You look at Jason Pierre-Paul, he's got a torn rotator cuff. Richard Sherman is dealing with an Achilles injury. And there's other guys in the back end of that defense that's hurting as well. You go to the offensive side, like you just said, Chris Godwin's not walking through that door. Antonio Brown, he's out in space somewhere right now. Mike Evans has been dealing with a hamstring, although he did play this past Sunday in his regular season finale. But you look at the running back situation. Fournette has been on IR. Ronald Jones has been injured. And Giovanni Bernard was on IR. So who's running the ball for Tampa Bay? So I thought Tampa Bay was the team right now. You might catch at the right time and shock the world. Yeah, you, I'm glad you said Mike Evans. I think I said Vincent, Vincent Jackson earlier, but yeah, right, right. obviously it's Mike, Mike Evans. You're right. You know, it, it, there's a chance. And this is a good thing. This is one thing that fans, average fans don't normally realize. But anytime you got a chance, the key is Brad Childress told me this. As long as you got a chance to have a chance. If you got a chance to have a chance, then in any given Sunday in this league, you can win or lose. And are the Bucs the Super Bowl champs? Are they unbeatable? Absolutely not. They've lost games. They they look human in certain games. It comes down to 
making Tom Brady feel you defensively. If you can do that and you can be consistent offensively, uh, then I think you can have some success. What we can't do is start the game the way that we started offensively um, last time we played in week six. Just think about this offensively. We had only 10 possessions last, last time we played. Usually you had between, you know, 10 and 12. We were on the low end. We had 10 possessions. Five of those possessions were, were, were three and outs. So half of your possessions were three and outs. One possession was a two and out because you threw an a, a interception on third down. So out of the six possess, six possessions of your 10, 60% of the time, you had three plays and you're out. One of those happened just to be a turnover. I mean, it's, it's going to be hard. I don't care who you play. We were still, we only lost the game with what, six, six points? Six points, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, just think about that and how much better this team is from week six until now. We've seen a yeah. much better football team. And I think, conversely, to your point, the Bucs are a much more wounded football team at this point than they were in, in week six. So, I mean, it, it, I think it gives us an opportunity, a chance to have a chance. That's the most important thing. Hey, put yourself in Nick Sirianni's shoes for just a moment as you prepare for this first-round game against the defending Super Bowl champion and a man who's known as the GOAT. What are you telling your players, especially because you don't have many players now that have a lot of playoff experience on this team? You get, you know, you, your offense is geared around a youth movement, mm-hmm. except, you know, you, you got Elaine Johnson here. And as you said, Jason Kelsey is, is the driving force um, in a lot of ways with this offense. Um, you got a lot of defensive players that have never been in this situation. What are you constantly telling your guys from now up until kickoff on Sunday? Um, I don't want to be too cliche. My, my first thought was, let's shock the world, right? That, that's a little bit too cliche. What, what I would tell my team, and, and that Nick Sirianni actually likes cliche, so that may be something that he would use. <laughs> but what I would tell my team would be simple. Listen, this is where we were at two months ago. We were an average football team that was making a bunch of mistakes that couldn't you know, fight our way out of a paper bag. That was, that was turning the ball over. Defensively, we weren't getting the stops or turnovers that we are now. We've turned that around. We have become a team that's been dominant, enforcing our will, forcing our will, imposing our will on every defense that we play. We've become a team that's been consistent passing the football. We've had a star uh, emerge in Devontae Smith. We've had, we went from a quarterback that everyone doubted, that everyone was replacing to a quarterback that everyone is is saying he needs to come back next year. Obviously, people have doubted me as a head coach. This is Nick Sirianni talking. Defensively, you've gotten turnovers. You play much more aggressive, especially the defensive line. And our secondary, Rodney, McLeod, uh, you know, uh, Darius Slay, you guys have gotten the turnovers. I'll tell you what, uh, uh, Anthony Harris and, and Epps have played well as also, right? Right. This team is not the team that we play in, in, you know, in week seven, but we're much different too. They're injured. They're wounded. We're rested. We're ready. What better time than now to show the world how good of a football team you are, what you've learned. What better of a time than today? Talking about the playoffs. This thing is about winning and going home. You want to win or you want to go home? And to me, after that, I'm letting Kelsey talk and letting them boys go. <laughs> at this point, the hay is in the barn. We already have taught you everything that we can teach you. There's nothing that I can say that's going to change that. Now it's time for you to go out there and play with that passion that we've seen all season, especially the second half of the season. 
And if the boys do that, they'll be in the game. They'll have a chance. And to me, it's a chance to have a chance. That's what it's all about. Hey, man, you should be a coach, man. You got me fired up just listening to you. That was my Saturday speech, and that would be the day that I would be showing up to coach the team. I would show up on Saturday night like, hey, man, I was practicing this week. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't work, I can't work five, six days a week at practice. I can't do that. Any, any concerns in your mind that the stage might be too big for the Eagles this time around? Because, let's face it, the fact is they built this 9-8 and eight record against teams that didn't have a winning record. Mm-hmm. Is is there any concern that they might get caught up in the moment too much? I don't know that they'll get caught up in the moment. I think there there may be a situation where experience um, right. is not going to be enough. I think, remember, you mentioned you're playing against the GOAT. You're playing against some experienced players on the other side of the ball. But not, but not only that, you're playing against Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles. Mm-hmm. You know, Todd Bowles, one of the best defensive coordinators in the game. Yeah, Byron Leftwich, who's been a coordinator for a short time, but yes. for a long time, another Merlin boy. Now, this is – their experience might, might catch up to them. And part of going to the playoffs the first time is gaining that experience, win, lose, or draw. You can't tell me that, was it 2000 or 99, that the, that experience going to the playoffs didn't help that run through the early 2000s? Absolutely it did. And – I think that over time, hopefully, you know, this is a great experience for us. We found a way to win. But I think that over time, we'll look back and say, you remember back in 2021 and 2022, we went to the playoffs and we didn't win a game or, you know, however it turns out. But that experience changed things. That'll make your, that you approach things totally different. I'll tell you this, as a player, my first playoff experience, I was just happy to be there. In my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I'll have another chance the next 10 years. I was just happy to yeah. be there. And right. the, the truth was, we should have made the Super Bowl that year. That last year in the vet, we lost to the Bucks, And my approach to the playoffs was totally different after that. Like, oh, this may be the last time. This may be the last moment. We got to lay everything on the line. And I think as a team, you, you approach it a little bit different, too, um, you know, afterwards. So this would be a learning experience. But experience does matter, especially in these types of games. See, this is why I had you on. I love Brian Westbrook's insights, man. So I love listening to you talk football. But I got one final question for you uh, that's not football related. So last week, you know, I don't go on Instagram much. You know, uh, I'm not a big Instagram person, but I'm scrolling through Instagram. Instagram, And lo and behold, I see a picture of Brian Westbrook standing next to Alex Rodriguez. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, And I'm thinking... B West has arrived, man. How did how did that happen, man? What was going on there? I just wanted to put some of the richest athletes in the same room, and oh my A-Rod goodness, was there, and someone had to carry his money around, and that was me. Somebody had to carry all that money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm carrying. I'm carrying, I got a book bag. No, we um we went to one of my good friends, Dennis Zatling, and his wife Linda Zatling. They own a company called Allied Resources. Okay, and, and one of the companies that I support, they do a great job in healthcare, you know, engineering, electrical, all different types of resources, natural resources as well. Um, and good friends of mine, and they had a holiday party. So they had Andy Cohen of Bravo there, and A-Rod came and spoke. Um, A-Rod's an interesting cat. Um, I enjoyed the conversation. Um, yeah. you know, my, my, I, had a, I had a couple of questions for him. I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm more interested in the smaller things. Like, hey, man, you went from being a shortstop in, in, in Texas, up here to the, you know, the Yankees, and you had to go to third base. How was that transition? What was that like? Because, I mean, right. that's a huge transition. It's a much longer throw. I mean, it's physically. I mean, not, not just the mental side. He explained right. that to me, did a good job of that. You know, the other part is 
I want to tell him, and he's a big guy, 6'3", 6'4". Right, right. I mean, shortstop is, it's almost like a running back position. You got to be shifty, left, right. How, how do you do that being that size? And he we kind of went through that for me too. So, I mean, it was it was interesting to be around him. The baseball mindset is totally different than football too. Football mindset is tough, nasty. And not that baseball players aren't tough and nasty, but when you ain't about to go get hit by a 350-pound, <laughs> right. it's a little bit different. So, uh, I enjoyed my time with A-Rod. B. West, I've taken up a lot of your time for this uh, podcast, man, but I can't thank you enough, my man. You know I love you like a brother. We we battle. People don't hear our battle. I think the battles that we have before we we talk on a podcast are much better sometimes than the actual discussion right. about what we're going to talk about. Yeah. But you know I love you like a family. I got the utmost respect for you, man. I thank you for coming on. You know me hit you up again once the season is over I mean, I as we talk about free agency. Week. I want to come on You do? Week. See? see how wait, you wait, know wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, I've got you right now. So you'll come back on next week if I ask you? Yes, I'll be here. You'll be back on. Absolutely. Well, can, can, can you do something for me next time then? I'm seeing, I don't know. I'm seeing, here we go with these rules. I already know can, can the you, rules can you, ju- can you just give me a yes or no a couple of days prior to the podcast so I don't have to wait until the morning of and sweat before I get an answer you from you? When you were what? young, when D-Gun had hair and, and black hair and, and a hairline and all that other stuff oh, yeah. back in the day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Had the, the afro and everything. Did you get your <laughs> Christmas present before Christmas? Did your parents like, nah, go ahead and no. open the tree. Go ahead and open up a couple presents. I tried, but I got caught by my parents every right? now and then. All right. There you right. Go. Call me Santa Claus. What kind of answer no, of is that, I'm man? I'm going to let you know beforehand, of course. Okay, can I book it right now? B West will be next on Monday, next Monday. I'm here. Same time, same place. I'm here. Same time. Next Monday. Same place. Absolutely. Unless uh, unless something devastating happens, B West will be, I will here, be here next, next week. week. Same time, same place. All right, man. All right, I got it on record now, yeah, so I'm you can't lie your way out of this right. one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody, thank you for uh, hanging out with us on this latest edition of Gun on One, the podcast. I can't thank my man Brian Westbrook enough, man. And who knows? Maybe we'll have a conversation that deviates away just from X's and O's. I think that might make a better conversation Next that people want to hear. Having a conversation about who our second round opponent is going to be. That's what we have a conversation. About. I like the way I you think. How I like we got that. after Tom Brady, how the Eagles found a way to win, and how good Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts coached and played this past weekend. That's what we're going to have a conversation about. I like that. All right. For my man, Brian Westbrook, I'm Derek Gunn. Until next time, everybody, stay blessed out there. But more importantly, continue to be a blessing to each and every person you encounter in your life. Until next time. So long, everybody. Gun on One is a production of D-Gun Enterprises in Patterson Square Garden. Alvin Shabazian and Wes Pendleton are the executive producers on behalf of Patterson Square Garden. Lead producer is Derek Gunn. Associate producer is John McNeil. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Alvin Shabazian. Original music by Weatherman. For more information about the podcast, visit gunonone.com. And please, don't forget to subscribe and give us a positive rating if you're feeling the show. Thank you.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.